So he's back and driving the bus. This week, there was this little thing that slipped through under the radar. I don't know if you noticed, an election. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that over the coming weeks, though. This week, we want to talk to the man in the big chair, Mr. Amarjeet Sohi. Hi, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we are Speaking Speaking Municipally. Welcome back to Speaking Municipally, episode 152. If you were really searching for that food pun in the title, well, check my Twitter. The polls have it. Uh, After 151 episodes of coming up with food puns, we are ready to move on. Not the least of which because we realized it makes it exceptionally difficult to browse through our back catalog and know what any episode is about. And we figured fresh counsel, fresh start. We might as well live and embody that ourselves. So Troy... I hereby free you from having to come up with a food pun every Thursday night. But one thing that will never change is the John D. from Ward 3 Memorial Rapid Fire segment. Elections Alberta has apologized and announced a review after it received negative feedback on its new partnered initiative, the Comedy Central Just for Laughs trademark Voter Roast Extravaganza. As part of the sponsored brand integration, Elections Alberta responded to voter inquiries and concerns on Election Day, not through answers and public service, but rather through hostile heckling, belligerence, and mockery. Said the director of Elections Alberta, quote, Unfortunately, our sponsored initiative was not a success and had to be cut short, leading to a shortfall in our budgeted Election Day revenues. To make up, we'll be raising the Canonascus user fees. With winter on the way, the city is asking residents to do their part and not walk or bike through the city. In an attempt to avoid costs related to snow removal, the city is once again removing the shared use lanes installed this spring around the city, said the director of Edmonton's Vision Zero program, quote, it's important that we don't crowd our sidewalks, which also can be dangerous and icy, so it's probably best if you just use your car, end quote. She pointed to a recent City of Edmonton traffic safety report that highlighted that 100% of people walking who were hit by drivers were outside of their cars when it happened. The entirety of the new Edmonton Public School Board has vowed to oppose Alberta's draft curriculum. This foreshadows another difficult fight for the embattled Alberta Premier, who has the lowest approval rating in the country, but Jason Kenney does not appear to be phased. When asked how he plans to move the curriculum forward, with nine of nine Edmonton Public School Board trustees opposed, the Premier shrugged off the question, saying, quote, Those numbers you're quoting were calculated using failed discovery math, which we plan to phase out in the new curriculum. Speaking Municipally is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. This episode is brought to you by the Well Endowed Podcast from the Edmonton Community Foundation. Hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkink and produced by Lisa Pruden, the podcast explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. ECF helps people create endowment funds. The podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. Episode 105, a recent one, looked at YEG Eats, or I'm going to call it Yeg Eats, a YouTube series that spotlights BIPOC-owned restaurants. You can listen to that and check out all the episodes of The Well-Endowed Podcast uh, wherever you're listening to this one or at thewellendowedpodcast.com. How does a once-bus driver, imprisonment survivor, counselor, Indian government, denouncer, man who's got the answers to our infrastructure cancers, finally say, sure, I can be your mayor. Welcome to the show, Amarjeet Sohi. Thank you so much. I am uh, honored to join you both. 
We're so happy to have you. Congratulations on your victory. And just before I let Troy dive in, I have to ask, was it his Hamilton video that pushed you over the top, you think? Is that what sealed <laughs> you know, the deal? Honestly, honestly, when I saw that, I think my volunteers showed that to me because I am uh, during the most of the campaign, I have remained uh, off Twitter and Instagram. Yep. So I deleted all my apps on my phone. So I wasn't aware what was going on. So they showed it to me. I just laughed. I just laughed so loud and so good. Just a man. It was well done. Well done. <laughs> I don't know if that put us kind of uh, over the uh, uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> where I needed to be, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, not to take anything away from your campaign, but I, I like I might have delivered like 12 or 13 votes, but uh, I think the other... Hundred thousand, you got those in the bag. So yeah, um, I got. I honestly, I got a messages from my former colleagues and the people that worked in Ottawa. <laughs> All right. Some of them said, "This is this is hilarious," because you know, they never saw me in that kind of uh, uh, portrayed me in, in that kind of funny way, right? Because I right. always perceived to be a very serious guy, right? So yeah, that's the power of Photoshop. You know, you yeah. can take video of you, and as long as I put another mouth over it, you're saying those words. <laughs> So that is my favorite Hamilton song before you even ask me about it. Perfect. <laughs> Get that out of the way. And speaking of getting things out of the way, uh, much like the uh, new Tom Holland Spider-Man movies are the best Spider-Man movies because they don't cover the origin story. We're not going to cover your origin story today. Everyone has heard how, you know, you came up from being a bus driver. You had your stint over in India with uh, being imprisoned. There are better wasn't, podcasts. That wasn't a stint. wrong word there i think Troy. uh well for in-depth coverage of all of that uh i mean even paula simons has done some great reporting on your political history we're not going to cover that today because we're an edmonton podcast and we want to jump right in to the edmonton focused content and i think the best place to start is you were just elected mayor-elect of edmonton next week you'll be sworn in as mayor and you'll get the your worship title which very very nice title 105,683 Edmontonians voted for you yeah. um i think the best place to start is what's your message to the other 500,000 who didn't vote for you or voted for another candidate or didn't vote at all you know i i was very deliberate when i did my acceptance speech because during this election, we, de- we did see a lot of polarization and we did see a lot of division. And as mayor, once I take oath of the office, uh, once it becomes official, it will be my fundamental responsibility to ensure that all Edmontonians understand that I will be the mayor for everyone. Uh, those who voted for me, those who did not vote for me, and those who did not decide to vote at all. Right? Uh, I think one of the most powerful thing about mayor's office is the ability to engage with Edmontonians in a non-partisan, non-judgmental way and, uh, and trying to be there for everyone. That is the, that's the role I see for the mayor's office. And so that's my message to everyone listening today, that I will do my utmost best 
to be the mayor for all that Adventurians. Let's get to the juicy drama part. Election night, four other frontrunners lost for mayor. Did you get a call from uh, any of the other mayoral contenders uh, congratulating on your win? Did you not get a call from any of them? So I got a call from Kim Crucial and uh, my wife and I, uh, my wife knows Kim really well. Uh, so we chatted with Kim for almost about five, seven minutes. And she was very gracious with her, uh, her remarks and she offered to, uh, to help. And I'm going to reach out to her uh, uh, after when I settle in a bit because uh, she has so much to contribute. I did get a call from uh, Michael Oshry. It was a brief call. He congratulated me, so I appreciated that. I did get a message from Diana Steele as well, right, uh, the day after. I would say one of the most delighted, uh, delightful person that I came to know during campaign was Diana Steele. A wonderful, wonderful person. Others may have left a message uh, or not. I might have missed them, um, but I have not got the message from any anyone else. But I, that doesn't mean that they did not try because it was such a crazy busy night. And I have... I had, I think, 700 uh, text messages uh, on my phone and thousands of uh, WhatsApp messages on my phone. So I haven't really caught up with all of them yet. So there might be a message that I might have missed. Although my money is on one of them not being from Mike Nickel, given his remarks that night. But we're not going to talk too much about Nickel in this. Uh, You are one vote amongst 13 you're the yeah. mayor, you get to kind of set the tone. But I think you said the other day that it's pretty important that you start to build those relationships with counselors. So have you spoken to everyone who was newly elected uh, so far this week? How's that going? So I was at City Hall all day today. And I was there all day yesterday. Uh, we met uh, all the other council members were there. So I had a chance to uh, say hello to everyone. And we jointly participated in uh, briefings that city has organized uh, for all of us. So uh, there were a lot of uh, kind of hello casual conversations uh, on the on the side uh, and met with few uh, of them one on one. And my goal is to spend the weekend uh, reaching out to uh, all of them. Uh, I want to have a one on one with all of them before the inauguration on Tuesday. And I know they're busy too. They want to catch up with sleep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. I yeah. want to catch up with sleep and they want to catch up with their their family members. So it may not be possible to meet with all of them, but I have seen all of them and uh, said hello and congratulated to all of them because I firmly believe that local governance cannot be successful if council is unable to work together. And mayor has a fundamental responsibility to make sure that there's a respectful there's open, transparent relationship uh, among council members and with the mayor's office. The mayor uh, was talking, Mayor Iverson, about uh, the rejection of divisiveness uh, on Monday, and he seemed quite happy that uh, the people who don't seem to be the most collaborative are are not the ones that got elected. Uh, You met with him at City Hall. Mm -hmm. Edmonton doesn't exactly have nuclear codes for one president to pass to another, but did, uh, did Don say anything uh, particularly uh, interesting to you? Anything stand out from your time with him at City Hall? Well, Don offered uh, his ongoing support, which I really appreciate. And he also gave me some advice on transition as as we staff up our 
uh, my office, right? So uh, it was very nice yeah. of him to invest some time and spend some time with me uh, to walk me through uh, the challenges that he faced or the opportunities he thought he could have done differently. Uh, so that was very helpful. And uh, uh, he remains open anytime I, uh, uh, I need to talk to him. Uh, you know, even I got a message from Mayor Mandel, former Mayor Mandel, and uh, I'm going to reach out to him as well to uh, learn from his experience. Uh, I believe in I believe in listening. I really believe in uh, tapping into other people's wisdom. One thing that I that one thing that served me really well during my time on city council as a minister as well. I have never been afraid in my life to be surrounded by people who know more than I do. Right. I think that uh, that is necessary for good governance because as politicians, we are not subject to matter experts. We are a good leader's ability is to attract the right people and, and uh, people who can give you good advice. And then you have then you need to have a sound judgment to uh, act on those uh, on that advice. And uh, right. So, you know, I will. Uh, so he's Don has been very helpful. So the last softball question before we really dive into the meat of this, because I just have to know, and there's no way to find this information out. You said that you and council are all showing up at City Hall. You're all setting up your offices. You obviously get the mayor's office, but there's 12 other offices. What's mm-hmm. the pecking order? Is it like whoever arrives first gets to choose their office? Is it like kids in a new house? You got to run to the big room first. How do you choose who gets what office? Oh, we're gonna see on Tuesday. They're gonna fight over chairs, right? Where they sit. <laughs> I think mostly is the uh, is the office that you uh, inherit in a way that the council member that you replace or uh, or the seat that you uh, are are winning if uh, is vacated by council member not running. I understand that the council members who are returning, if they want to change their office uh, to a different location, they have some uh, way of doing that, but it's usually uh, usually done by the president of which office you're uh, coming back coming back into or uh, filling into, right? So all right. the offices are same, uh, Troy. Uh, they're <laughs> all same size. Right, except yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the mayor's office is a little bit bigger than uh, the councilor's offices, right? <laughs> but there's only one mayor's office, right? So there's no selection there. You you, sure. you get what you have. Yeah. One last uh, thing about what's happened so far this week. You talked to Premier Jason Kenney. Yes. What did you say to him? We had a very uh, you know uh, constructive con- uh, conversation. I have met with the premier before during my time. Uh, as a minister of natural resources and have met with him a few times at community events after the 2019 election. So we know each other in a casual, casual way and also in a professional way. Uh, we did talk about uh, uh, COVID, uh, how we can support their efforts. Uh, good to see the numbers declining now. Uh, we did talk about uh, why Edmonton needs a stronger partnership with the provincial government on uh, housing, on opiate crisis and mental health uh, and economic growth opportunities. Uh, he said he will be willing to meet with me as quickly as possible once I'm sworn in. And uh, so we're going to reach out to his office. But it was very first, very con- constructive conversation. So let's talk a little bit about that provincial relationship, because that's something that has been a thorn in our side for quite a while now. Uh, Mm. I think specifically to 
things like affordable housing and things like supervised consumption sites, things that we had wanted to move further forward on in Edmonton. And the province has pulled us back a little bit. And now it's mm -hmm. nice to hear you're having an open conversation. And it is nice to hear your perspective in general about collaboration. But I think specifically to this provincial government where the former Minister of Municipal Affairs and the current uh, Solicitor General has called you specifically Trudeau's agent and uh, encouraged Albertans to make the right choice, uh, e.g. not you. It seems like a hostile work environment that you're coming into. We've seen like in Calgary, Jody Gondek uh, suggest that maybe she'll partner directly with the federal government on childcare. To what extent are you truly optimistic about partnerships with the provincial government? And to what extent might you need to go over their head? Yeah. Uh, is that something that you're thinking about? So you know, we need to, we need partnerships with both government. We cannot just ignore the important role that province plays helping municipalities uh, uh, deliver infrastructure, help grow our economy and tackle social issues. So we have no choice other than uh, finding a way to work with the provincial government. And I have ideas. My approach to engagement is going to be building a coalition of community leaders. Once I'm sworn in, uh, I'm going to bring in uh, uh, leaders from faith organizations, uh, cultural organizations, business community, nonprofit sector, and put together a strategy that if we talk to the province as one community, we will be difficult to ignore. I don't think mayor's office alone engaging is going to be as effective. And, uh, and I have seen, uh, successful mayors engage, uh, with the federal government that way. Right. Uh, uh, I, I share this example when I was appointed uh, infrastructure minister. One thing I wanted to do was actually visit different municipalities and meet mayors in their own communities. So I went to Halifax and I was scheduled to meet with Mayor Savage. And I thought, you know, I'll have a meeting with the mayor and we will talk ideas and uh, I'll leave and he'll go in his way. I'll go my way. When I walked into his office, he had his whole council present in his office and he had community leaders present in an office. And I was so impressed. I said, this is a mayor who has used the convening power of his office to bring in community to meet, meet with minister who's coming to see them. And I, that left such a good, good impression uh, on my mind. And we ended up forging such a strong relationship. I think that's the kind of approach I would like to take in our engagement with provincial government and I think that we can extend that to federal government as well, even though uh, I have a more amicable relationship or I have no, no more people. In, and a very, very interesting conversation with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau as well yesterday, right, uh, um, about the possibilities. There are possibilities of working with federal government on uh, economic development. There's so much support available through uh, uh, the regional development agencies like Prairie Can. Uh, or small businesses uh, department, or through the uh, ICED department, even natural resources department, Environment Canada on climate change. So there are always opportunities for us to work together directly, but I don't think we can ignore the province. Province is a big player, and uh, we depend so much on getting support from the province.
I just want to follow up on that. You're going to try this collaborative approach. You're going to try to work with the province. You're going to try to be a good partner with them. But if they just simply won't play ball, what do you think about Mayor like Gondek's idea of striking a deal directly with the feds on something like childcare? So we announced our childcare strategy uh, during the campaign. And the childcare strategy actually talks about uh, uh, advocating for $10 a day uh, childcare, as well as making city facilities available community league infrastructure and finding ways to uh, make those spaces available. So absolutely, we will explore that option. But I think my num- my preferred approach is going to be uh, make sure that the province is at the table with the federal government uh, and, uh, and that they're negotiating. And we can assist uh, people like me who do have knowledge of the, how the federal government works. If a province is looking for some flexibility, because there has to be some flexibility because every province is different. Uh, mm-hmm. Needs are different. Uh, nine to five childcare spaces don't work for every family. You have to have spaces available for the weekend, evening, the shift workers. And, and I think there's, there's ways to, uh, we can assist the province, the, the provincial government in their engagement with the, uh, with the federal government. So there's lots of policy questions I want to ask you, but I think the best way to frame this discussion is to let you lead it a little bit. Down south in the U.S., they always ask, what are you doing in your first hundred days? And, you know, it's a meaningless number, especially for a city council. How much meaning does what you do in 100 days matter? But with that in mind, what are your first priorities? What are the things you're going to try and get done first? So my number one priority is uh, build a stronger relationship with every council member and invest time and effort doing so. Uh, along with that, uh, we have budget We have budget coming up, uh, making sure that budget aligns with uh, what priorities Edmontonians and mandate Edmontonians have given us. Uh, so I will be spending a lot of money, uh, so a lot of time going through the, uh, the budget process, right? You know, I know, <laughs> yeah. And uh, the, uh, then this capital budget coming up too, I made a commitment to develop a 100-day action plan to tackle hate and hate violence uh, in our city. Uh, so that is absolutely on the agenda. And within 100 days, even sooner, I want to put together that advocacy group that I talked about, uh, the community advocacy group to engage with the provincial government and the, and the federal government. And uh, so those are the things I would like to uh, like to uh, like to tackle. But I want to set the tone. I really want to set the tone that collaboration is the key to success at a local level. And I want my council colleagues to understand that I will be open, transparent with them, that I'm here to work with them. And I see all of us as equal. All 13 of us are elected by people. I try to make this point that in a a party-based system, and under parliamentary democracy, a premier can select who the cabinet ministers are going to be. And cabinet ministers and members of the party have a say who the premier is going to be. Similar to the prime minister, they have say who the prime minister is going to be and prime minister picks the cabinet. But at a local level, mayors have no control who the councillor members are going to be. And councillor members have no control who the mayor is going to be. Right. So I think that independence uh, really requires us to to find ways to work together. 
And I want to provide that kind of leadership uh, that council understands that uh, all of us are there to serve Edmontonians and all of us there should be working together to deliver on the expectations of Edmontonians. I got to say, on a personal note, uh, on a podcast that thrives on drama, um, that conciliatory collaborative <laughs> note, not great for future episodes. Um, so <laughs> Sorry to if you could throw a little political firebombs once in a while, that'll appreciate it. To, 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 to make it even more boring, right? <laughs> uh, uh, during my public life, uh, I have disagreed with uh, my colleagues and I have disagreed with uh, other political leaders, but you would not find anything in my statements that you would, that you would think was demeaning or ill-advised or personal. Right or, or or super partisan. Mm-hmm. I don't function that way. I focus on policy. I focus on ideas, and I try to find common ground to get things done. Well, let's talk about one thing that um, your predecessor Don Iveson, his tentpole achievement that he had hoped to leave office with, which was ending homelessness in Edmonton. Yeah. Um, no. We haven't quite no, done that yet. No. I'm going to go out on a limb and say you don't think homelessness is a great thing that we should continue to have. So given that, what's your plan? What are you going to do differently? And how are you going to address this problem that has been a thorn in our society's side for quite a long time? Yeah. So we may not have ended homelessness over the last 10 years, but we did house close to 13,000 Edmontonians who were homeless at one time are no longer homeless. So we need to celebrate that success, right? But the unfortunate part is the more and more people fell into homelessness over that time. Uh, so how do we stop people fall, that they fall into homelessness? So prevention is absolutely critical. That's where End, end Poverty Edmonton Initiative, uh, I'm gonna be meeting with that group to understand how we can better support their work as well as mental health issues that do, you know, push people into into circumstances. Uh, whether they, if they lose a job, they lose a home, they end up on the street. Uh, addiction is a, another contributing factor to homelessness. Right. So these are interconnected issues. So it's not that we have not made efforts and we have not achieved results. We don't have to invent new solutions. I firmly believe that housing first approach works. Uh, we just need stronger partnerships. We need more money to build more supportive housing. Uh, we need more transitional kind of housing that's available for people. And we need more wrapped around services. Uh, that's one thing that I talked to Premier about, that if we can have more mental health support, if we have more addiction support and uh, help stabilize people and those people who are beyond stabilization because they're so damaged and uh, they need support as well. They need to live in dignity. So I think it's a lack of support. It is not the lack of solutions. Solutions are there. We just need to make sure that we are putting enough resources uh, to fund fund those solutions. I would like to build up on the housing first strategy by having more indigenous perspectives included and having more indigenous led initiatives supported. Ambrose House is one of them and uh, uh, Niginan group 
okay, if I'm pronouncing the name right, they have done some good work on uh, on housing uh, uh, indigenous families and children coming out of care, uh, and they support them in a way that there's a holistic support, there's a cultural support, there are elders available to guide them through the uh, through the pain and trauma. Right. So I think we just need to build on that success, but we need partners. We we cannot end houselessness without a stronger partnership with Ottawa and the federal and the provincial government. We did ask on the Taproot survey specifically about this, and you indicated there that, as you say, housing first is the right approach and we should do more. But you also indicated that the city should build more affordable housing, even if it can't get funding from the other orders of government. So I appreciate that collaboration and partnerships is your preferred method. But what what would you do to build more affordable housing? How would you find the resources to do that? So one option that we would explore is that we have a lot of surplus space uh, in downtown and other areas. Uh, and we also announced our plan for energy retrofits. So as we retrofit those buildings, can we repurpose them for different use, right? And when I was a federal minister, we created the Canada Infrastructure Bank. And the bank's purpose was to support uh, uh, energy retrofits, make communities more greener and reduce emissions. We have surplus land right, that we can uh, partner with the nonprofit sector or private sector to create more affordable housing. Right? So there are tools available, the zoning tools available that we can uh, that we can use. So there's different ways that we can support uh, creation of more affordable and supportive housing and try to do our part. But to be really effective, we need partnerships. Without that, we will not be able to be as effective as we need to be. I want to switch gears uh, a little bit. You know, housing and homelessness is a pretty critical issue that's affecting our city. But like you mentioned, budget is coming up. Mm -hmm. And there are two big line items on the budget in the city of Edmonton. One is the police and uh, the other is, of course, transit. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think I want to start with the police. Uh, You had indicated on the Taproot survey that you you wanted to freeze the EPS budget. Uh, Could you elaborate a little bit? more on exactly what you would like to do with police funding and how you would like to see the EPS grow or change in the future? You know, I have always taken a very thoughtful approach to budgeting. Uh, I never believed in uh, erratic uh, slash and burn approach. If it doesn't work, uh, you would never budget your household budget the way some people would recommend you to do that by, by just going deep cuts and then uh, think about the implications later on, right? The approach I would like to take is what are the outcomes that we want to achieve? When it comes to police budget, we want to make our community safe. So what are the reasons that are causing our community to be unsafe? A lot of them have to do with mental health issues, social issues, and the best approach to tackle those is to actually invest in social programs that will divert demand from police and help actually police focus on uh, some of the core mandate, which is fighting organized crime or uh, or drug dealing and uh, solving homicides and uh, and in other areas. So focusing on the, their core core responsibility. I don't believe in this philosophy that that you need to defund one service in order to properly fund the other service because they're in, they, they're supplementally supplemental. And they're also both necessary in the in the in the short term. As you invest more in social housing, 
uh, in social programs, you reduce demand for the police budget and police service uh, and allow them to focus on on core responsibilities. So that is the approach I would like to uh, take on, on police budgeting. Uh, on transit, we have lost a lot of revenue because of the ridership has dropped significantly. And this is one of the points that I brought up with Prime Minister in my call yesterday. Uh, they did provide us support uh, during the first and second wave of pandemic. Uh, the point I tried to make with him that in Alberta, uh, the fourth wave has prolonged than other provinces because, uh, because our provinces lack of leadership or an inconsistent approach. So our revenue loss on transit has been longer. Our period of driving loss has been longer than other provinces. So, uh, you know, I will be, I will be reaching out uh, to the fed, federal government again. I think FCM is doing some work. Can we tap into some federal support to help us uh, re, uh, pay for some lost revenue on transit? Well, speaking of lost revenue from fares, uh, we've had your predecessor, Mayor Don Iveson, on the show exactly once. And it was to hear him talk about his ideals or lack of ideals for free transit in the state of Edmonton. Is that something you'd like to pursue? Would you like to pursue fare-free transit in the city of Edmonton? I believe that all city services, including public transit, should be affordable to all Edmontonians. I would like to focus on targeted approach. Uh, you know, low-income bus pass works. U pass has been very successful. Ish pass has been very successful. So that's the approach I would like to take. But my goal would be to make public transit more accessible to more people, right? You can make public transit affordable, but if it's not available to people, then what good that is to people, right? I think my focus would be to expand the service and we have seen the impact of the redesign that took place in May of this year, uh, I think May or April of this year, uh, that has a reduced service in some of the communities and we have seen the impact of that uh, where people can't access uh, jobs anymore or they can't go to a, a church or Gurdwara or a temple on Sunday or students who had access to public transit don't have access to public transit anymore. So they either have to be driven by their parents or uh, or they have to find other ways. So I think there, I would I would like to focus on uh, reintroducing some of that service back first. And safe to say you're a fan of, a supporter of continuing on with the West uh, the Valley Line West LRT. West LRT, absolutely. We need to uh, make sure the Southwest leg is completed. Uh, absolutely, I'm committed to getting it to Castle Downs, uh, figuring that out. I don't know if you remember, the federal government made the public transit fund permanent. So that's about billions of dollars that will be invested into municipalities. Mm -hmm. And so there's a funding available from the federal government uh, for us to do that. We need to find partnership with the province on that, and then we need to find our fair, our share of the of the construction cost. I think there's options available. the uh, The Century Park LRT was funded by borrowing against the gas tax money that we got. Uh, yep. And 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 that that is slowly being paid off. So there might be some room becoming available from that that we can look at some other capital projects. So there's different ways to. Uh, to explore my, but we have to have the will to do it, right? And uh, uh, I have a strong will to make sure that LRT uh, gets completed in our city. 
I need to go back to the police budget quickly. So yeah. uh, a follow up on that. Uh, I understand what you're saying about you don't necessarily need to defund one service to invest in another. But how would the city invest in the supports that you're talking about without taking money from the police budget? Where else would you look for that funding? Or would you raise taxes in order to invest in that while keeping the police budget the size that it, that it is? I, you know, I said this during the campaign, even some other candidates tried to frame that discussion differently. I have been very, very clear that this is not the time to raise taxes, right? Uh, people are struggling. Uh, small businesses are struggling. Uh, we need to uh, hold the line in a way that we uh, maintain services. I would not reduce services to, to pay for any tax decreases, right? Or tax cuts. Uh, I firmly believe that services are so critical for well-being of Edmontonians. Uh, so we're going to, uh, we're going to look at the budget uh, uh, in, in a very thorough way. What are the areas that we need to continue to invest in? What areas we don't have to? Uh, what are some of the redundancies in the system? Uh, can we reduce further on the on the uh, consulting and management uh, uh, expenditures? Uh, and, and so we're going to, I'm going to take a very thoughtful approach to it. I'm not going to do anything that uh, uh, just for the sake of, uh, uh, saying, you know, this is what we need to do this, right? But then don't understand the consequences of the, those, those, those decisions. Uh, you know, the every dollar that you and I pay in property taxes, 30 cents of that dollar goes to the province. What value do we get for those 30 cents? They say they fund education, but that goes to general revenue. It doesn't directly mm-hmm. fund education. So that's one area that I would like to have conversation with the province gradually, if they can start uh, leaving their money with, with us, and we can definitely use that money to uh, either relieve some of the burden on property taxes or improve services and do some of the stuff that you are you're doing, right? So uh, uh, that's the kind of approach I would like to uh, would like to take. It sounds though like you're saying that there are opportunities for efficiencies for savings in the city's budget. And that's what you're going to be looking for. And I just want to make sure I've got that right, because we've spent the last four years doing a never-ending program and service review. Mayor Iveson brought in his efficiency targets. It kind of seems like programs have been looked at. Do you have any areas in particular that you're thinking about that are ripe for maybe maybe efficiencies or, or cuts without affecting service? I have some ideas. Then I'll be, I'm going to be getting more information. I'm meeting with city manager uh, next next week to uh, uh, help me understand the uh, uh, the, the the all the money where money is going and uh, and I may have some ideas. I do have some ideas, but I can don't want to share them at this time because I want to going back to my earlier comment. Uh, whatever I do, I will do that in consultation and in 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 in, uh, in, in having confidence of the council members, right? So. Uh, I would like to discuss ideas with them before I discuss ideas with the with the with the media or for you folks. So it's not that I'm being a, uh, it's not that I'm I don't want to be transparent. I think good governance at local level and the transparency and the openness and trust requires that we discuss ideas uh, to in, 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 with council members to figure out okay are we aligned on this or not. 
Well, uh, since we're suggesting places for cuts, let's talk about Terwilliger Drive. Um, you had indicated in the Taproot survey that uh, you support the major expansion of road projects like, for example, Yellowhead or Terwilliger Drive. We're in a climate emergency. We're talking about, you know, saving money in the budget. And Yellowhead's a good half billion dollars. Terwilliger Drive, you've got another hundred and some million dollars there, which will have the only positive impact of perhaps getting more cars on the road. Yeah. Wait, how do you square the circle of wanting to really support climate and support climate action, wanting to make sure we're supporting sub- public services without raising spending, and also supporting these roadway projects that have dubious value? Yeah. So let me talk about Yellowhead expansion because I was deeply involved in that, not as much involved in Terwilliger because I was away. I wasn't on city council and it was done when I was uh, out of public office, so I had no idea. Uh, but, you know, it, I understand the traffic gridlock on Terwilliger. Uh, even not now, when I was a bus driver, uh, getting on to uh, Terwilliger from 40th Avenue, I'm talking about uh, 1990s, 2000s, right? And even that time, you would have, you know, blocks and blocks and blocks of backed up traffic on uh, on 40th Avenue getting onto Terwilliger. So there were real challenges on that roadway as well. On Yellowhead, uh, our city has been asking for federal funding and provincial funding for almost two decades to expand Yellowhead and get rid of uh, the traffic lights uh, on it and make a free flow uh, for traffic and for trucks. And it is the most dangerous roadway, I understand, from the collision statistics, right? So there are more collisions that happen on Yellowhead than uh, than anywhere else. So those were the reasons that uh, I strongly advocated for federal funding and worked very closely with uh, Minister Mason to secure uh, provincial funding and uh, then cities funding. So that's the reason behind it. It's a, it is not a new request. That request has been there for almost two decades. I suppose, I guess my follow-up would be um, two decades ago, we didn't have such a quite salient button on the two degrees C mm-hmm. as the inflection point. I'm not sure I understand if Yellowhead jives with City Plan, uh, which advocates that, you know, over the next few decades, we're supposed to make 50% of our other modes of transportation um, not with a car. Yeah. While it's been in development, is is there not a perspective for change? Could we not use $1 billion of city and federal funding to much better value than removing some traffic lights? I, I hear you what you're saying, Troy, uh, and I do appreciate uh, that perspective. But this was one of those projects that was outstanding for a uh, for long, long time. And uh, when I had the opportunity to advocate and I reached out to... Uh, uh, municipal leadership at that time asking, okay, is this still a priority? And there was a dedicated funding available for the expansion of uh, uh, trade corridors. Uh, and uh, Yellowhead being a trade corridor, that opportunity became available. So I, have, I did my part to uh, to secure federal funding for, for that project. That's another, another area. I think that's another unique aspect of the Yellowhead is that uh, it's a trans Trans Canada uh, highway that connects province to province, and it's a major trade corridor as well. I want to ask you about one other 
policy type question from the Taproot survey before we get into maybe some lighter, more fun questions to close. But <laughs> the survey asked about the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's calls to action and whether the city should do more. And you indicated that you think the city should do more to uphold the spirit of those calls to action. So I appreciate you mentioned a little bit earlier about getting more Indigenous folks involved in, say, the housing file. What else would you like to see the city of Edmonton do? What else will you do as mayor to try to uphold those calls to action? So we announced our commitment to reconciliation. We also announced our commitment to uh, to having a strong relationship with the uh, Indigenous communities. We announced our commitment uh, to proactively engage on naming and renaming public spaces and statues uh, that instead of having a polarized debate on those, we should be actually talking about them in a proactive way to pull community together and use that as an education opportunity about the history of uh, colonization and uh, residential schools and the trauma that indigenous communities continue to face when they see those uh, uh, problematic names. One thing that uh, we had an Indigenous Advisory Committee during the campaign. The, the, the message I got from that committee and also my earlier work on TMX um, and my work on Indigenous community uh, reconciliation as a minister, I prescribed to this something that it has been instilled in me by Indigenous leadership is that nothing for us without us. right? And I deeply believe in that. When it comes to Indigenous reconciliation or anything related to indigenous communities, they're the one who should be driving the change. We are there to support them. We are there as allies. We are there as their partners, right? But nothing should be done for indigenous communities without them leading that charge. And that's the approach I would like to take to reconciliation. We have a role to play. Non-indigenous communities absolutely have a role to play, but change has to be driven and led by them and supported by city council and mayor's office. And I deeply believe in that. One thing I've just noticed throughout the campaign, and it became pretty salient during the debates as well, a debate would start, one or two candidates would get a question, and then you'd get your turn up, and you'd start with a land acknowledgement. I just wanted to say that I noticed, and it didn't seem like trite. Uh, a lot of times land acknowledgements can appear like, this is one thing we have to check off the agenda before we proceed with the meeting. But I've never gotten that sense with you. Is there anything specific about land acknowledgements that's meaningful to you? And is there a story for why this is so important to you? No, at the onset, uh, Troy, you don't want to talk about my uh, my background, my history. Right? <laughs> uh, 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 land acknowledgement for me, it has a very deep meaning, right? Because... When I look back at my life, what I have been able to achieve here would not have been possible anywhere, right? So my ability to be on this land, on this indigenous land, has availed me the opportunities to be successful. And despite all the early struggles, despite the racism and discrimination I faced, or the imprisonment, there have been people who lifted me up. And that is why, for me, it is very important. Reconciliation is very important. And it comes from heart. Uh, I may not know the solutions, right? But my heart is there when it comes to reconciliation 
and working, finding better ways to work with indigenous uh, communities. So it's not just a ceremonial thing for me. It, it is it's more meaningful. Okay, great. Um, and we delved a little bit into the history. Um, you know, Tom Holland movies had a couple flashbacks to the spiders, so I think <laughs> we're okay. I want to jump to, like Max said, we've got, we asked on Twitter some questions that wanted questions and answers, and I think this is a good rapid fire segment, uh, not oh, from the top of the episode. Um, but let's let's just get some quick questions and answers. And the first, um, River Valley National Park. What what's the deal with that? You want to charge admission to our River Valley? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. River Valley will remain free and accessible for all Edmontonians, all visitors. What we're going to do is tap into federal funding to make it more greener, to make it more um, um, you know accessible for Edmontonians to use. Perfect. Edmontonians want to know, where do you get your sweaters? Apparently, there's oh. a lot of fans of your sweaters. <laughs> Honestly, uh, that uh, that orange sweater uh, that really took off on the day we went to uh, visit uh, different murals with, uh, yeah. with Linda. My wife bought that sweater for me uh, uh, on a trip. I can't remember where we bought it from. And uh, I was wearing a white shirt that day when I was leaving. And it was a little chilly outside. And she, my wife served. She said, why are you wearing a white sweater? You're going to go see Merle. There was so much color out there. Wear that orange sweater. That's why I wore it, right? Uh, without even yeah. thinking about it, right? <laughs> so my wife bought it for me. The takeaway here is you don't support Edmonton business. You uh, want people to buy sweaters <laughs> externally. No, no, then I bought a few here too. <laughs> oh, perfect, perfect. Um, this one... I don't know what this question means, so you can't ask me for additional context, but are you more J or Viru? <laughs> I know. Uh, Avi sent to me that uh, uh, tweet, a copy of it, saying you might be asked this question. <laughs> this is, so this is related to a very popular uh, Indian movie based, built, uh, made on a very Western theme of um, cowboys and uh, bandits and all that. And there are two characters in that film who are good friends. One is very kind of erratic, uh, you know, abrupt person. Then the other one is very calm and collective, try, always trying to keep his friend in line, right? So Jay was the kind of calm, collective one and the erratic one was the the Vero, right? So the question, which one I am, right? <laughs> I think you can make, you can take a guess now. You know, <laughs> the people who know me, can, they can take a guess. Yeah. Um, your favorite hot sauce? You know, this is interesting. I don't like spicy food. Really? No, I don't. Like any kind? None? No, I, I'll sweat. I'll sweat while eating if there's a little bit of spicy food. I just can't eat spicy food. Uh, so before we were recording, I was talking to my daughter. She's three and a half. And she was very happy that I was talking to Mayor Sohi. She calls oh. you Mayor Sohi. I figured I'd skip the mayor-elect part. And she really wanted to know what your favorite candy is. So for all the kids out there, do you have a favorite candy, sweet tooth, if you don't like spicy food? You know those little chocolates, the Tic Tac chocolates? Yeah, I love them. I love them. If I see if I see them anywhere, my first urge is to go grab and eat them. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. And we need to ask the big question. Um, you, being a longtime Edmontonian, are legally obligated to have an opinion on this. The Talus Dome, your thoughts? Is it a phenomenal piece of art placed perfectly? Is it hot garbage? What are your thoughts on the Talus Dome? 
So I heard you guys talk about it. Uh, you know, you, I know one of you wants to keep it there. One of you wants to remove it, move it downtown, right? Uh, I'm, I, 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 I like it. I, I like it. I think uh, we need to have art. We need to have art that challenges people to think, right? That's what the purpose of art is. Like I, I have theater background. One of the reasons that uh, I really enjoyed theater because it allowed me to play characters that I never imagined to have their life, right? But it allowed me to see things from different perspectives. It challenged me in a way that I was seeing life through a different lens, right? That's what art is about. Art is not there. Art is there absolutely to enjoy. It should be aesthetic. But art purpose of the arts and culture is to challenge you, to make you think, right? And... Uh, you know, any arts and culture that do that, uh, the more the merrier, the more the merrier. I think, uh, 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 I think you will have naysayers who will come up for reasons to criticize any art because they see it's a waste of money. Right? And vast, I think vast majority of, of Edmontonians uh, uh, support arts and culture. And that's why the 1% for the arts policy has been so popular. Oh, we we will be talking to you about that policy during <laughs> your term. You can bet that. Yes, we've done quite a bit of reporting lately. Yeah, yeah. No, but overall, overall, it's been uh, ever since it's been uh, implemented, nobody mm. has ever proposed to reduce it or it has not been reduced. You can um, improve the programming around it, right? How the, the criteria works and... Uh, uh, how the funding is determined, but it's one of the, you know, I think very effective policies to support arts and culture. And that actually feels to the, uh, uh, the the value of Edmontonians that they want to support arts, arts and culture. Well, I'm glad to hear we won't be revisiting the Talis Dome decision anytime soon <laughs> yeah. uh, during your term. That's reassuring. Yeah. Uh, I guess the final question before we let you go is, have you ever listened to this podcast before, Mayor So? Absolutely. I'm a big fan <laughs> of your podcast. Uh, on the record, as I told you, uh, off the record, now you can actually state me on the record, <laughs> before I decided to run for, for, for mayor, to brush up on my uh, uh, knowledge of what had happened over the last few years at City Council, I went back and listened to a number of your podcasts. <sighs> All right, we Amazing. had to make sure to get that on tape. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I really enjoyed them. I really enjoyed them. Well, we appreciate that. You guys are you guys are pretty pretty fun 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 gig. Well, Troy's the funny one. Yeah, I try to bring the serious stuff. Yeah, Matt, Max, the the business daddy. But you've got a pretty fun gig coming up, um, Mayor Alexo. Hey, your swearing in is coming in, and we have took up way too much of your time tonight. Uh, so we want to let you go, but we like to give our guests one final segment. Is there anything you want voters or listeners to hear to know? Something you want them to take away um, at the end of this episode? No, I lived here for 40 years and I deeply love this city. Oh, you said it. He said it. Chills. You said, I love this city. Ah, that's your slogan. It's perfect. Sorry, continue. <laughs> you know, uh, no city is perfect and we have our flaws, but we are Edmontonians who are willing and can make our city a better place for everyone. And uh, I'm so optimistic for our city and uh, um, we're going to work hard uh, to uh, to deliver on the expectations of Edmontonians, uh, you know, because I, I never see myself as separate from the community. 
I'm part and partial of Abbott Edmonton is Edmonton shaped my life. And I hope that I have shaped Edmonton during my time in public office. And I hope that I'll be able to further shape it uh, in my time during the, the next four years as mayor. Well, uh, we wish you all the best in your new role. We uh, are excited for you and uh, we will be paying close attention over your four years. I'm sure we won't always agree, but hopefully you'll continue to listen to us anyway. <laughs> yes, of course. Every Thursday you record it and I listen to it every Friday. Amazing. Wow, even knows the schedule. Chills. <laughs> okay. Well, until next Friday, you got cold drafts, flickering lights, and where's that leak coming from? If you've ever wondered what's really going on in your home, Rumi's Ask a Home Inspector service can help. You can connect with a certified professional home inspector by phone or video call and get your questions answered. Rumi will let you know what's easily fixable with a little DIY or when you might need to call in an adult. Visit rumi.ca, that's R-U-M-I dot C-A, and book your Ask a Home Inspector appointment today. I'm Troy. I'm Mac. I'm Amarjeet. And we're... Speaking, Speaking municipally. municipally.